Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Drew Dixon. Drew gives leadership to the student Explore the Bible resources. So, Drew, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, great to be here. We're going to be looking at session five of our winter 21-22 study of Ezekiel and Daniel. Last week, we took a little excursion to Matthew, uh, looking at Matthew for our Christmas lesson, and now we're back in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19, and 25 through 26 are the verses we're going to be looking at. And the idea behind this is that Ezekiel gives a warning. He's reminding the people, too, in the middle of that warning that God offers grace to the humble, but brings down the proud. We've outlined the passage in these three ideas, past glory, rebellion denounced, and hope stirred. Uh, that first section, past glory, uh, looks at Ezekiel 28, 11 through 15. Having pronounced the future destruction of Tyre, Ezekiel then lamented the leader by describing the favor once enjoyed by their king. God allowed the king of Tyre to enjoy success but its wickedness was eventually exposed. A person's true character will be revealed in time is the main point for us from that passage section. The second section in the outline is rebellion denounced. Uh, that's from verses 16 through 19 of 28. Here, Ezekiel proclaimed that Tyre became prideful, which led to sin. The city would eventually be brought down by God with others looking on in horror. As believers, one of the things we can walk away with is knowing that selfish pride leads to sin and judgment by God. The last section, section three, hope stirred, looks at verses 25 through 26. In these verses, Ezekiel explained that Israel would no longer be mistreated, but would instead be securely reestablished. Their restoration would result in the true God being honored as they demonstrated God's holiness. For us, we can walk away with the idea that grace is found in repentance that leads to holy living. Drew, one of the, the things that's kind of confusing when you're looking at, at Ezekiel 28 is whether there, this uh, prophecy is about the city or the king, because both of them, Tyre, is used to refer to both the king and the city. Uh, can you help us think through that a little bit about was this the city or was it the king? In the text itself, it's definitely the king's sin that's highlighted but like with these judgments in the bible i think are almost always tied to both like when when there's a judgment uh but that god's pronouncing from the mouth of a prophet to a king it's almost always tied to the sin of that king's people and vice versa or i get the sense when i read this that the king of tyre's pride had um had a pretty like negative impact on the city itself um and I think, you know, people in Tyre were Im embodying that same pride that the king was embodying. Um, so, you know, examples of, of, of you know, the, the violence and vanity that we see in verses 16 and 17, I think those are examples of how this king's pride um, has, has, has probably negatively impacted the city itself um, and the people of that, of that city. That's the sense I get. Would, would it be safe to say 
that they fed each other, that the pride of the city fed the king and the king's pride fed the people. Yeah. You had this kind of strange codependency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you see examples. I mean, we could look at lots of examples throughout history of, of leaders who were really um, like prideful or arrogant or whatever. And, and then you see that kind of embodied in the, the ethos of, of the people that are under that, that leader's rule. Like it's really hard uh, to have someone be in a huge seat of power and influence and not let that person's sort of like mentality and way of seeing the world impact you if you live under that. I think there's probably a lesson there for us too. Like no matter who our leaders are, like we're to be people of Jesus. We're Jesus people as Christians, right? Um, And so like we need to be really careful not to embody or to be careful about how we might embody our leaders, even the ones that we respect, you know, even ones that we think are doing a pretty good job or whatever. Um, we need to sort of step back and go like, okay, but is this, is this Christ-like, you know? Um, I think there might be a lesson there for us. You know? so a, a better question for us may be, am I following Jesus or am I following this person? Yep. Uh, and then look at how our lives demonstrate who we are actually following. Mm-hmm. This particular passage about Tyre, the, the Bible skill will help help folks um, get a get a clear picture of Tyre. The Bible skill talks about uh, using a concordance to find references to, to, to the to Tyre uh, in Scripture, and then reading an article in a Bible dictionary, noting some of the things. It, it plays an important role in history, uh, and it looks at some mm-hmm. the blessings of the judgments and injustices, all those kind of things and gives us some, some background to this, uh, this city. Uh, we also know Isaiah had a prophecy about this city, Isaiah 23. Uh, we find Isaiah here, uh, Isaiah making a prophecy against them. And then Ezekiel's making this prophecy as well. But how do those two things compare the prophecy made by Isaiah and the prophecy made by Ezekiel here? Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier. And we were saying we should have recorded it, yeah, we should. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, and oh, and back to that last question you asked too. Like, I think there, I was just looking at verse 19 and sort of thinking about it some more. And verse 19 says, all those who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You've become an object of horror and will never exist again. So there is a sense in which like the King's sin is, is far surpasses the people. So I, I think that's, that's important to make. Uh, make clear like this guy is apparently um, yeah even the people that are close to him a lot of them are appalled at him so that tells you the depth of, of, of his pride I think the verse you just mentioned verse 19 says they will never exist again is that correct yeah. but yeah that's what it says but Isaiah has this prophecy and then has them coming back after 70 years yeah so it's tough because we don't, you know, we don't know, um, you know, these, these are different, a bit different historical contexts. Uh, um, you know, Isaiah's writing, uh, pre, uh, pre exile, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Isaiah foresees the coming exile of God's people, but, um, but he's writing before these things have taken place. Um, and so, yeah, he does hold out this idea that the Lord will restore Tyre, Isaiah 23, 17, and she will go back into business, prostituting, prostituting herself with all the kingdoms of the world throughout the earth. 
which is an interesting image. Uh, but then verse 18, our profits and wages will be dedicated to the Lord. They will not be stored or saved for a profit will go to those who live in the Lord's presence to provide them ample food and sacred clothing. So it's like God restores this city, but brings them into this place where all of their wealth and everything that that the king in, in Ezekiel is, is called out for being so prideful about. He's really prideful about his wealth. Uh, all that wealth is then dedicated to the Lord in Isaiah. They're back, but they're not back in the same way they were. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not this when, restoration to their wealth so that they can look really great and wonderful. It's this restoration of their wealth so that they can be a blessing to God's people, essentially, is what, what it sounds like in, in, in Isaiah. So um, so maybe it's not uh, maybe it's not different. Maybe it's two sides of the same coin. It's it's a is a tough, it's a really tough question. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Uh, that what I see here is um, Isaiah making this prophecy against them and that they would not come back. And the king, this particular king, does not come back. He's not back in business. The city does come back uh, after 70 years. And uh, that 70 years is significant because we think of Jeremiah and the prophecy of them, of the, of the people of Israel being in exile for 70 years. So there could be a possibility of of the 70 years of the exile Judah in connection with the, the uh, destruction of Tyre, that they would be back after 70 years. Um, but they would be back in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be antagonists because they're antagonists here. Yeah. They would not be antagonists to Judah, um, to the people of Israel, but would instead be supporting them, not just an ally, but a valued ally, um, which that tells me that that previous regime is not in existence in any form or fashion. Yeah. The way it was, it, 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 it has the same name. It's just not the same group. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how to compare that. Uh, something that, that has the same name, but it's not what, I mean, if you look at it two different times in history, it's not the same place. And I think that's what you see here. It, it is not what it was. Um, yeah, I don't think they contradict each other. I believe they affirm each other. Like you said, two sides of the same coin. It's just their purpose is a whole lot different when they come back enough to where yeah. you wouldn't recognize it as Tyre. Mm, yeah. Now, the big issue that Tyre had at this point was that they they were filled with pride, the city and the, and the king. What are some things we could do to protect ourselves from pride? Yeah. So, I mean, the like. Sunday school answer is pray, <laughs> read, your <Bible. laughs> read your Bible. Um, but I do think like, it's, um, like it's something that we're constantly faced with this, a temptation to, to be prideful. Um, so, I mean, I think we've got to train ourselves to rely fully on God to be our provider, our sustainer, our giver of life. You know, the, this King was, prideful about his wealth and um while it's not wrong to be to be wealthy it's really dangerous to put your hope in wealth and to uh you know to look to your wealth as like i mean that's one of the great temptations of having a lot of money is we think that we earned it <laughs> and that we you know we can we can tend to measure ourselves and others by our wealth 
um, you know, we think of, of people who have more money than us as better than us and people who have less money in, than us than as inferior to us. But like the gospel just obliterates that kind of thinking, you know, um, the gospel tells us that none of us are worthy of God's love, but that God chooses to love us anyway um, and sees value in us that 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 we don't see. And, uh, you know, I think I think pride puts us at the center of things, but humility reminds us that God's at the center of absolutely everything and that we're utterly dependent on him. So, um, yeah, I think just some practical things you can do is, yeah, just be aware of your tendency. What areas of your life are you most tempted to be prideful? Are you tempted to be prideful about your parenting or your um, finances or your, um, you know, the, the pride in those spaces keeps us from loving our neighbors well. So like ask God to show you where you're being prideful, maybe in your relationship with your spouse. May, like uh, this has come up in my relationship with my spouse lately. Um, uh, and my wife got upset at me about something recently and she actually made the comment like, she was like, you just, it just feels like I can't like offer any kind of like correction to you right now. Like I can't, I can't say you're wrong about something right now. And like, that really hit me. I was like, man, that, cause, cause I think as followers of Jesus, we should be people who, when people say, Hey, I think you're doing this wrong or like your approach to this is wrong. We should be people who listen and consider that and not, not people who are above correction or above like. How does a failure to listen point to pride? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely can. It can, it can, it can point to the fact that you think, you know, you're, you're, uh, yeah, above correction, or that, you know, you're right about, uh-huh. about everything, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So I'm just thinking through that. Uh, looking for the warning signs for ourselves would be where, where no matter what, we're right, and we will mm-hmm. refuse to learn or consider another approach. Yeah, I think about that with my kids too, because it's like. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't like, I had what have wonderful parents, very thankful for my parents, but like, I think a lot of, a lot of people, uh, people my age, like grew up in homes where their parents were almost never wrong about anything. <laughs> and that's something that I've had to unpack now as a parent myself is like, sometimes my kids call me out and say like, Hey, I, what, you know, what you did, I don't, I don't think it was right or whatever. And I have to step back and go like, you know what? You're right. Like, um, you know, I think one one of the one of the gauges of pride is like how quick are you to apologize? You know, how quick are you to admit when you've messed up or when you're wrong? Or um, how often do you step back and think about your attitude? Um, you know, it's not. I think fighting pride is not all about like. You know, I don't know. It 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 requires some self reflection, uh, some healthy self reflection, where we can sort of step back and. Um, realize we're not we're not right about everything. You know? Yeah, which uh, I had this conversation with a neighbor of mine. We are surprised at how much smarter we were when we were twenty five. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, we knew all the answers when we were twenty five, but now as we 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 are no longer he nor I nor are twenty five, and now that we're at the the stage of life we are, we we become much more aware that mm. we are not near as smart as we thought we used to be. So that's a that's important for us to keep in mind too. Yeah. Uh, when we're is 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 at some point we come to realize that, and the sooner we do, mm. the better off we'll be. Which uh, is like I think what you just said is a good reminder because sometimes because it illustrates something about spiritual growth that I think we struggle to to acknowledge. But sometimes spiritual growth feels like 
the opposite of growth. Like it feels like we're taking steps backward, but what's actually happening is we're realizing areas where we're like not right <laughs> or, yeah. where, or, or things that are, that are out of place in our, in our priorities or whatever. And if it's painful, um, but that's actually growth because, Hey, you're, a, you're aware now that your attitude was not honoring to Christ in that interaction. And you're aware now that like you're um, there's things that you're not as uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not as on top of as you used to be or, or thought well, you part were. of that too is, is, is you're okay. Trusting God for you not knowing something. Yeah, that's good. You know, yep. Uh, hardest question to get asked to me is always after the death of a child. Why did God let this happen? Mm. If I'm supposed to know the answer to that question. I, I don't know that there is an answer for that question, except God loves us. God has a plan. And that's all I know. And I, uh, the older I get, the more I'm okay with God having mm. a plan. And that's all I know. I really don't want to know all of the plan, but that goes back to un- that realization of how we protect ourselves from pride at that point. There is a difference here. I want to point out too. there, uh, the difference between being humble and being humiliated. How would we describe those two things? Because we could, we could live our lives as if we're humiliated and it really not be humility mm-hmm. uh, or we can humble and live a life that's not humiliating. Yeah. So h- how do we differentiate those things? Drew? Yeah. Yeah. I think being humiliated can lead to humility if we respond to it well, but um, they're, they're not the same thing. I think, when you humiliate someone, you're going to make someone feel ashamed or foolish by um, pointing out something that's that they did wrong or that is is broken about them. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of times we think of humiliating others as like public disgrace. You know, especially like for followers of Jesus, that's not that's not something God does to us. Like God doesn't humiliate us in front of everyone. Um, now there are times when like we need to speak out publicly about about sin but that's after we've done the hard work of like working through it with the person who's offended us or whatever like you know it's after we've done a lot of steps to try and work that work things out being humble is not it's not tied to shame in any way right it's um realizing you know god's greatness and your need of him and it's um you know uh relying on him. I think those people who are humble rely less on their own strength and intelligence and uh, ingenuity and rely more on God's, um, you know, God's strength and God's wisdom and his, um, his care for us. Any other key ideas or thoughts you would point to out of Ezekiel chapter 28 and how Ezekiel approaches Tyre? No, I think we covered the the high points. I think to, for me, this is a passage that reminds us that we have no greater source of security in our lives than our relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, I think this is one of those passages that that I hope will cause people to sort of step back and think about where they find security. Like a lot of us, especially in America, like we can find our security in our finances, our jobs, our success, our families, our relationships, um, and all those things. Like to be fair, they're like, there's those things can be wonderful, right? They can be wonderful things in our lives, but they'll disappoint us on some level. Um, so the gospel calls us to anchor our 
security in Christ alone. That's a good reminder uh, to help us kind of bring this to a conclusion. I want to thank folks out there for listening today. If you're if you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. It's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I will get your question into the hand of the right person and they can get you the answer to your question. Join us next week. We're going to be looking at session six. Uh, in session six, we'll be looking at Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, the Valley of Dry Bones. Once again, we'll see the idea of the importance of us placing our trust in Christ because the main point for next week's lesson is that God brings life to his people. And we know that that life is only found through faith in Christ.